The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance? Or what woman, having 10 coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, a man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your inheritance that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough to eat? But here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father and I shall say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and he's been found. And then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field and on his way back as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he had him back safe and sound. He became angry. And when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and he's come to life again. He was lost and has been found. 
the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm. Oh, great readings tonight. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning, we are kicking off our new sermon series. This is really the theme of our entire ministry year that we're going to have together, and it's fiat. No, we are not going to talk about little Italian cars for the next year, right? Fiat is the, word, is the Latin word for let it be. And so now some of you are starting to think of a Beatles song, right? When I find myself in trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Sing it with me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Yeah. No. <laughs> What's interesting, there's a little background story to that. The, is it's reported that Paul McCartney actually had a dream about his actual mother, Mary, and she came to him in this dream and told him this, told him to let it be. What I think happens, Paul McCartney didn't attend this, but I think what the Holy Spirit oftentimes does is he takes art and music and movies and literature, and it may not be the intention of the artist, but he takes it and he teaches us a much, much deeper truth if we have the ears to hear it and the eyes to see it, right? Because there's a far greater mother, Mary, right? The mother of Jesus, and she speaks the true words of wisdom when the angel Gabriel comes to her, sent by God, with God's proposal that she would become the very mother of God. And she says, Fiat, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have spoken. And it happens then, right? The Holy Spirit comes down upon her and she conceives the very Son of God is now in her womb, the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Word of God. And she carries him around for nine months in her womb, but she carries him in her heart forever. No doubt, and Luke wants to make this point, I think, in his gospel, Mary is the first disciple of her very Son. And teaches us then what it means for us to be disciples, because we want to carry Jesus around in our heart. Now, later on in John's gospel, the famous story of the wedding at Cana, Mary famously says to the servants at the wedding feast, they do whatever he tells you, Jesus, do whatever he tells you. There it is. That's the heart of what it means to be a disciple, isn't it? Jesus, whatever you tell me, let it be to me as you have spoken. Mother Mary speaks words of wisdom. So what we're going to be doing the next several weeks is we're going to listen to the readings of Scripture, and we're going to just simply ask, what's the it in this week's readings? What's the it? What is it that Jesus is wanting to speak to you and to me tonight so that we can respond, fiat, let it be to me as you have spoken, Jesus. So tonight's word, as we kick this off, is the word mercy. The it is mercy. In the Old Testament Hebrew, the chesed of God, the loving kindness of God. Let mercy be to me. And of all the things we're going to talk about in this, in this series for the next few weeks, this is the most crucial one. This is the foundational one. Because it is mercy. And it is only the mercy of God that is the basis of our relationship with him. None of us deserves to be here. Now, some of us know that really well, 
We punish ourselves constantly for our failures to the point of, of self-loathing. We, we think we're unforgivable, we're unlovable, that, that, that we aren't welcome and accepted. And then there's others of us who sort of believe it partially, like we kind of actually think we do deserve to be here at least a little bit. I mean, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm a pretty good person, right? Either way, we do not understand the nature of mercy. So when we listen to that gospel reading, and as it starts out, we might at first think about those Pharisees and scribes and say, what a bunch of religious, pompous, self-righteous, holier-than-thou jerks. I mean, they're grumbling about Jesus, that rabbi, because he's welcoming sinners and he's, he's eating with them. Like, what's the matter with him? They, they probably thought that Jesus was soft on sin, right? The way people today, I think, wrong, very wrongly, think Jesus is soft on sin. He just sort of tolerates everything, doesn't he? He accepts whatever we want to do, right? <laughs> wrong. Wrong. But there is a difference between accepting a person and not condoning sin, right? We know that. And the reason why they're so upset, honestly, I mean, they may have thought Jesus was soft on sin. They're upset because they are deeply religious people. They want to honor and they want to reverence God. And they want to live in God's presence. I mean, that is the heart of the Judeo and the Christian faith, to be in the presence of God. And the thing that keeps us from the presence of God is sin. They knew very, very well God is holy. You think God's soft on sin? Listen to our first reading tonight. Er, wrong. God is holy. He is pure, sinless. And therefore, anything sinful, anything impure, cannot coexist with God. It just can't. His holiness will annihilate it. It will destroy anything that is impure. The same way that light annihilates darkness, right? I mean, when the light shines, the darkness is, is absolutely obliterated. So these Pharisees and scribes, they've got the right instinct. They're, they're spot on. And we know this too. You know this. Because when you sin, what happens in your conscience? Right? You feel unclean and impure and guilty and shamed. What the Pharisees and the scribes also knew is that God, in his mercy, had provided a way to deal with that sin. He prescribed it all through Moses. This was the work of the priests in the temple in Jerusalem. Their whole business was about cleansing themselves and the people of Israel. So they ritually bathed themselves, and then they took their sins, and they put all of their sins on animals, which would take their place, when they destroyed them. And they immolated them on the altar. Now their sins were gone, and they were pure and cleansed and forgiven and could enter into God's presence and worship him. And God did this not just for the temple. God had prescribed this holiness and this cleanness for everyday life. And so these Pharisees and these scribes wanted to follow this strictly because they wanted to live in God's presence every day. They followed all of these laws to the very best 
of their ability. So for example, when they had a meal, they would pray, and they knew that when they did that, they were inviting God's presence to that meal. In fact, that he was the host of the meal, and he's holy. So we've got to be holy and pure and clean. And this Jesus is contaminating himself by inviting these notorious sinners. Their sin and uncleanness and impurity is going to rub off on him, and he is going to be impure. And God is holy and cannot coexist with something that is not, is not holy, which means, therefore, Jesus needs to be destroyed, which is exactly what they plan and plot when they execute him. They were absolutely, 100%, theologically correct, but not complete. They were missing one crucial thing. This is what they just didn't get, that Jesus is the mercy of God, the chesed. He's the loving kindness of God in the flesh. And this is precisely why he came, to look for sinners, to absorb their sin onto himself so that he could destroy the sin, not the sinner, to make them pure and clean and bring them home to the Father. And not only that he came to do this, that he does this with great joy, that this is what he loves to do. He loves to find what is lost, to to purify it, to cleanse it, to forgive it, us, and bring us home to the Father who loves us. Which is why then, he tells these three marvelous parables to Pharisees and to scribes and to tax collectors and to sinners and to you and to me tonight to draw us into his mercy. And here's the first thing Jesus wants you to know tonight is how he values you. Notice as he progresses through those three parables how the value goes up, right? There's one lost sheep out of a hundred, there's one lost coin out of ten, and then there's infinitely more precious two sons. And they're both lost. And second, because Jesus values you so much, he's not okay when you're lost. He's not okay with that. He will search to the ends of the earth. He will take the house and turn it inside out and upside down. He will run out to meet you when you are still far away. See, a lot of people think that the religious life is about us seeking God and finding Him. And there's a truth to that, but that's actually secondary. The real, the greater truth, the beautiful truth is that God seeks and He finds us. Now, you might say, well, wait, weren't the tax collectors and the sinners coming to Jesus? Well, yeah, they probably had heard of his love and his mercy, but there's a story behind the story, right? The the story is how God himself came down from heaven, born of his mother Mary, came to earth to look for sinners. So when we look at the first two, you say, well, lost sheep, lost coin. Yeah, obviously, they can't find themselves. But what about the son, the younger son? Didn't he find his way home on his own? Well, you might call it that. He was certainly headed to the house. But he didn't really find his way home, did he? He was was coming home, coming to the house, because 
He was starving, <laughs> and he wanted to survive. And his proposal was, Father, I don't deserve to be called your son. Treat me like a slave. Which, after what he had done, he didn't even deserve that, did he? He has no idea how lost he is. Oh, he's headed to the house, but he's a long ways from home. It's the father, isn't it? It's the father who sees him there off in the distance, and everything within him, his entire inner being, is like flipped over and turned inside out with mercy and with compassion. And he runs to his son, and he cuts off that stupid speech before he can utter the word slave. It's the father who finds him and brings him home when he says, you are my son. And it's the father who then runs out to the older son who's out there grumbling. I can't believe. There's no way we should welcome that punk home after what he did, let alone throw a party with him, with prime rib. Are you kidding me? I'm the one who deserves that. Look, I've been slaving for you all my life. Notice how he can't call that punk my brother, or the one who's pleading with him, my father. He doesn't know how lost he is, probably more than his rebellious younger brother. I mean, he lives in the house, but he's a long ways from home. He's a long ways from the love of his father. But what religious people scribes and Pharisees and people like you and me that we don't understand or, or maybe just sometimes forget is that to be family, to be home, to be forgiven and cleansed and made pure, that the mercy, the chesed, the loving kindness of God is never deserved, and it's not earned, it's given. And what's given has to be accepted, received, embraced. Fiat. Let it be to me. What Pharisees and scribes don't get, and what we sometimes don't get, is nothing we can do no matter how hard we try, can make us pure before God. Only Jesus can. Only, only Jesus can. No effort of ours. He can, and he does, and he does with great joy. This is what Jesus loves to do. He loves to find what is lost and to bring it home, to bring us home. So here's the last thing. This is the third and the last thing. Jesus wants you to know tonight. Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea how much joy Jesus has tonight because you are here? Because he brought you home. And not just him, his Father in heaven and all of the angels and the saints. I mean, that's what he said in all three parables. That's what he said about about you, that when he finds you lost and he brings you home, he calls together all of heaven and he throws a party about you, for you, and about you. 
That's what he's doing here right now. This is his dinner party for sinners. And he welcomes you and me. And he accepts us. And he's here and his father's here and all the angels are saints. They're all here with us so that we can eat and drink with him. Actually, to eat and drink him. To take him into ourselves and to come into such close contact with Jesus that he absorbs all of our sin and we get all of his purity and cleanness, his forgiveness. My brothers and sisters, we've come here tonight to eat and to drink the mercy of God, Jesus himself. And it's full of joy. He loves doing this. He loves doing this for you. For you because he loves you. Oh, oh, let it be. Right? Let it be. Let it be to me. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's given. It's given. So believe it and accept it and embrace it. Be absorbed by it. His mercy the forgiveness, cleanness, purity, holiness. Let his mercy be to you and let him rejoice over you. Amen? Amen. Amen.